0: Hello, people of the internet and podcast world. Welcome to episode one of the MindFit Movement podcast. Uh, I am your host, Ant Marino, and today I have Ben Borg on the show. Ben Borg is from Married to My Macros. Married to My Macros is a nutrition coaching company. I personally do all my nutrition coaching through Married to My Macros. So Ben, first and foremost, is a good mate of mine and then, secondly, he is uh, my nutrition coach. Today on the show, Ben shares a bit of his story, uh, a bit about his background, how Married to My Macros was born, and how it evolved over the last three years. And then he dives into some topics about, uh, you know, like the the struggle, the biggest struggles that people have when they're starting out on their health journey or trying to get their health back on track. He then gives small steps that you can implement straight away um, to start getting your health back on track. He also touches on fad diets and basically how they do not work and they are unsustainable um, and they are only good for short periods of time but not really that good. Um, He also touches on uh, having a positive relationship with food and mindset around training and nutrition. It's a really, really good show, guys. I reckon you guys are going to love it. Ben is very, very knowledgeable, very well-spoken, and there is just a really, really good amount of knowledge bombs around uh, nutrition and positive mindset with food uh, in this episode. Also, team, uh, the MindFit Movement podcast is sponsored by another company that I'm getting off the ground. It's called MindFit Adventures. MindFit Adventures is a group adventure holiday company that incorporates fitness, mindfulness, and self-development experiences uh, throughout its its trips. So basically what a trip looks like is uh, groups of like-minded people will head over to, say, a destination like Bali. Uh, We're all going to stay at the same accommodation. And then we're going to do daily functional fitness workouts, uh, different mindfulness uh, workshops, mindfulness techniques, yoga, meditation, and um, self-development workshops. And also active adventures, so like hiking a volcano to watch a wicked sunrise, uh, visiting picturesque waterfalls, um, going on cultural experiences, um, and all that really, really good fun stuff. Um, If you want to check out MindFit Adventures, you can head over to mindfitadventures.com. All the details are on there. You can also check out MindFit Adventures on Facebook and Instagram that is at MindFit Adventures. Also, if you want to check out my Instagram, it's at AntMarino1. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, guys. Basically, that's it. Um, also, just wanted to add in there, this is the first time that I'm doing this and I, I'm quite nervous. Even sitting down with Ben, um, pretty nervous. Even though he's like a good mate of mine, it's just the whole thing about interviewing somebody. I've never done it before. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, scared of failing, scared of getting it wrong, all that bullshit. But, uh, you know, it's just taking that first step, putting myself out there and, uh, and hopefully getting uncomfortable, um, growing, learning and evolving. And yeah, so I trip, I trip a lot of my words. I stumble a bit of my words. I say a lot of ums, which is kind of annoying, but I'm sure as the podcast grows and and I do this more and more. It's going to get better. So, uh, if you guys, if you guys are happy to listen to a few arms and and trips and stumbles here and there, uh, keep listening to the episode. It's a really great episode. So yeah, thank you very much for stopping by, guys. And we'll see you on the next one. Alrighty, so we've got the man, the myth, the big old Bensie Borg, the legend in the studio. So the studio currently is his mum's dining table. (laughs) (laughs) No, so uh, seriously, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Ben Borg from Married to My Macros. Um, Married to My Macros is a nutrition coaching company. Ben is, firstly, a good mate of mine. We met in uh, Vancouver, Canada, when I was living over there. Um, It was like love at first sight, I I always tell people. um, The footy shorts. (laughs) Yeah. He came came walking in through the gym door and uh, never seen a picture of him. I just saw this bloke walk, walk in wearing footy shorts and I was like, oh, footy shorts, mate. He was like, yeah, mate. And then we hugged, held hands and then... Kind of, We've been inseparable since, um, but apart from that, apart from being um, a really good mate, he's also my nutrition coach, um, and we've been working together for probably the last seven months, and basically, I don't know if I can say that you've got me in the best shape of my life, because I was the one that actually put the food in my mouth, <laughs> but you guided me. Yeah. You guided me very, very well into getting me into the best shape of my life. Um, Thank you, mate. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, So, Ben, tell us a bit about your background, a bit about your story, and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, My story
1: and my background. I think my story is pretty typical. Um, Foremost kind of went down, finished high school expectation of finishing high school was go to uni, get a degree. Um, I don't know definitely in our family it was more get a degree in that whole something that's useful more than like something that potentially you enjoy or that you're passionate about. Uh, kind of a typical, you know, like Australian kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Old school um, mentality. Definitely old school mentality. I think particularly um, kind of our European background probably came into that as well. Education was always, you know, really uh, important. Um, and it wasn't so much whether or not you enjoyed it, but it was important to have. Uh, so you get the education, so you could get the job, so you could get the mortgage, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, Which I guess, given the circumstances that, that the family kind of, or my father in particular grew up in, and um, that was important, right? And that was held in high esteem. Mm. Um, so I went to Monash after I finished at St. Kevin's for six weeks <laughs> before I dropped out. Yeah. Um, just... Was I don't know if I wasn't ready for for university. I think I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, basically the the rule in our house was we either going to school or, or you're working. Right. Um so I tried a few different things and then had someone tell me, Oh, you're good at talking? Why don't you try real estate? Yeah. So I ended up working in real estate for, for two years oh, and actually, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think working in sales was a um, a really good I opener probably my first real experience with dealing with people and, and learning how to, like, um, you know, manage my own expectations or expectations of those that I was with. Um, definitely a lesson in the dangers of potentially uh, over-promising and under-delivering. under-delivering. Um, but just in general, some really good exposure and experience of, of how to deal with people in general. Um, and then decided two years after that, uh, that I was gonna go back to university in order to bolster my real estate career. Um, ended up going back to Deakin and originally I was going to do property and real estate, but then decided to do commerce. Cause I just thought I'll get sort of a, a more broader degree to fall back on just in case. Um, got probably two years in and was like, oh, what am I doing? Like back here again, <laughs> like didn't, didn't love it. Um, but this time just thought, well, I'm this deep now, I may as well finish. Yeah. So it came to second, I think second year and it was time to start choosing majors I just had no idea, had no real pull or real direction with what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of hated every kind of option the same. Um, So in the end, jumped on Seek and and sort of looked at my different options and where the most openings were. Um, That was accounting. So I ended up doing, majoring in accounting and and corporations law. Um, Finished that, got the job, worked at a couple of the banks and then ended up getting my first real job in finance at Accenture. Yeah which was another really good lesson in, in working in teams and definitely working in um, the accounting finance industry. Picked up some really good skills there in terms of Microsoft Excel and business management and understanding concepts of cash flow and contingency and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but again, like just didn't love it. Um, started doing my CA. So just had this perpetual, like knew I didn't like what I was doing, but, but just furthered down the path. Um, got to a point where I was like, I need to get away for a bit, have a little bit of a break, went to Bali with two mates for a week and that's where I met Kat um, and kind of had a conversation. So Kat is your now wife? Kat's my now wife. Beautiful bride. You guys got married but about a month ago? Yeah, about a month ago already. Jeez, feels like a lifetime. <laughs> every, every day with Kat is like a lifetime.
0: Lucky um, she can't hear us.
1: Yeah, she can hear us. She no? can actually She's hear us. always listening. <laughs> um, she knows Yeah so I met Kat and and I guess just got into one of those conversations that you tend to have not necessarily with someone uh that you know that you know too well um and that you can just be abruptly up up front with and honest with and I guess I never necessarily thought that I'd kind of see Kat again after uh that Bali experience and we just had an, an amazing conversation about um you know how I was kind of going down this path that I thought I should be going down, that I didn't really want to go down and had this, you know, massive love and, and passion for health and fitness and, um, you know, how I'd always wanted to do that but, but never really was it considered like the, the real job or the real career. And, um, and so along the way I'd been working as a PT like all through university and that sort of stuff. And um, basically our conversation sort of steered to, to how disappointed we'd become in in that industry and sort of what it had become. Um, and then I, we had this argument where, where Kat was like, oh, we should do something about it. And I was like, that's never going to happen. Like that's, you know, like that's just you You dreaming, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and we ended up staying in touch and within six months, um, we'd sort of decided to turn into a little bit of a business and Kat had a friend of hers who was like, Hey, um, I've seen you like transform yourself and, and pay more attention. I know you're much more knowledgeable at nutrition than I am. I'll give you like 50 bucks to write me a meal plan or something, like something off the cuff like that. And she told me, I was like, oh, no shit. Because I was just doing them for free. right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and then out of that, someone else came and said, oh, I heard you're doing so-and-so's nutrition. Could you do mine as well? And um, I think at that point I said to Kat as a joke, hey, we should start a business. Um, within six months from that, I'd moved to Canada, and from that point, MTMM had gone for me full time. Um, and then here we are, three three years later, three so years down the track. Three years down the track, we're now a team of five, coming into six. Um, we've got a hub in Vancouver and Melbourne, and a little client community in Hong Kong, which is emerging as well. Um, and it's it's living the dream, basically mm. for us. Um, you know, never really thought it was possible, and. Uh, I remember the the first time the the business kind of you know, was made official and and we kind of had our first like month cash flow positive it was like, holy shit, <laughs> like, it's happening, it's for real. Yeah. Um and so the journey's been been pretty cool for us. Um and the business has been somewhat symbolic of our relationship as well. Um and so I kind of look back just over the the last three years at how the business has grown and from where we started to where we are now. Um and even though it looks very different, the message has always been consistent, and I think that's very, um, very metaphorical in terms of Cat and myself and our relationship. Is that we've definitely changed and grown and evolved uh, the way that we do things, the way that we practice, but even the way that we live our lives over the last three to four years. Yeah. Um, but that goal and that that messaging has been consistent the whole way through, and I think that's essentially the the most fundamental strength of, of our relationship is that, you know, have very similar core beliefs and values and that we're pushing towards the same thing. Yeah. Um, definitely have different strategies of getting there. And we both bring very different things to the business, to the relationship, to each other's lives. But I think um, we've been fortunate enough that they're quite complementary of each yeah. other yeah. rather than conflicting. Cause I yeah. think uh, Kat's very type A, she's very organized, very to the point, And I'm a bit more, creative let's say um and I have no doubt that my my creativity and sometimes inability to maintain focus on on a lot of minute issues um drives her as crazy as sometimes her very regimented overly organized personality drives me but yeah um I think one without the other would get stuck so I think we've, we've been fortunate enough that we we kind of have both sides of the coin
0: yeah we? yeah I think um you guys do complement each other quite well yeah. you know you guys can sort of ground each other and and then, you know, like if one person's off on a bit of a tangent, you can bring them back down and get them on the straight and narrow kind of thing yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, definitely been um,
1: probably one of the, the biggest reasons we've been able to get MTMM to where we are. Um, if you're just all ideas and, and no action, like mm. you don't get anywhere, but equally if you get too caught in the weeds and you, you lose sight of the big picture and what you're moving towards, I think that's equally as detrimental. So, yeah. um, we've been, you know, very fortunate and we're very grateful for, for that. And anyone out there, like do the eat, pray, love thing, go to Bali. You never know
0: to <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So, um, what, what is MTMM? So mm-hmm. married to my macros, what is it? So um, the
1: actual business itself came out of, I guess, our own struggle with our health, our nutrition, both of us pretty into health and fitness. Um, And I guess both of us quite aware of of all the traps that that kind of lay within the industry. Um, And when I mean traps, I just mean like all the general uh, advice that's out there that's not necessarily helpful. Um, And so what what we really wanted the business to stand for was to be this kind of beacon within the industry where... Uh, we were happy to have the hard conversations surrounding, you know, nutrition and health, um, but also that the information that we were providing the public space was, you know, well-founded, well-researched, correct, um, constructive. Um, right. As opposed to all the snake oil stuff that that has made its way um, into the industry. And so that's, that's kind of what we stand for. Um, what we do day to day is we take – individuals like yourself um who are looking to to better their health their performance learn a little bit more about nutrition and kind of save them the eight to ten years that we went through trying to figure it all out Mm. right yeah um so so that is essentially we do do one-on-one coaching and support yeah um in which we work very individualized with with each client that we work with, in order to ascertain the best way for them to get to where they want to
0: go. Yeah, and that's what I really liked about um, coming on go, coming on with you guys is it's not just here's a meal plan, um, see you later. Like you you go through you know like what what macros are. You teach people about protein, carbohydrate, fat, and um, even to the extent where you're telling them when to eat it um, because of how it's going to affect. Their, their energy levels and their performance um, if, well, for me, it's if it's a performance-related thing. Yeah. So that's what I really, really liked about that. The,
1: the thing for us is we have that real preference to want to work over longer term with our clients because, you know, for the most part what we know that works better than anything else is consistency over long periods of time. Uh, but not only that, I mean, the, you can write someone the best plan, but if you don't write it in a manner that uh, is able to be executed by them in their context in their circumstance it helps them overcome their specific hurdles it's not worth the paper that it's written on Mm. right so you know when you work with someone over a period of 6 to 12 to 18 months you can't help but start to develop quite a good relationship and friendship with those individuals. And when you know exactly what that person is going through, what challenges they've got coming up, you know, what, uh, what demands their family situation plays on them or their work or their career or their travel schedule, their social obligations, you are much, you're in a much better position as a coach to be able to advise support and guide them through those times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, we really do try to put that personal, element into our personalized macro approach right so i mean it's all well and good for me to say here's your profile um
0: sorry about that good one buddy (laughs) that's my daily uh that's my daily appreciation alarm going off uh well what a time yeah (laughs) but um i appreciate you mate thank you mate um i appreciate you too but if
1: yeah if, if you don't if you don't understand the context that someone is trying to execute within, then you're really limited. Uh, and if it was easy as just getting the macros and following the plan, then there wouldn't be all the issues we see within the community when it comes to health and yeah. a particular diet. And we can go even deeper into things like body image um, and stuff like that as well. That that's an epidemic
0: at yeah. the moment, right? Yeah, totally. Self confidence, you know. So yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a massive thing. Like even. Even myself, like I'm in the best shape of my life, but you know I can't help but look in the mirror in the morning when I take my clothes off before I jump in the shower. It's like, it's like a habit that I've got into. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh shit, I look a little bit fluffy mm. around here. You know what's going on? You know, like, am I not training hard enough, or you know, or should I not have had that you know chocolate on the weekend? But um, it's it's something that I have, I've sort of had to like teach myself to not do, yeah. and and also. Um, with your help, you know, I've been educated that, you know, we're going to look different, you know, um, sometimes a week to week, you know, depending on, depending on, you know, like your training volume or, you know, if you went out on the weekend or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, so that education um, for me has become um, just like to help me more with my, like having a calmer mind and, you know, not stressing about myself and my self-image and, basically breeding a lot more confidence in myself
1: yeah there's there's a lot of that uh, unfortunately within the community where we put so much self-worth or self value on the number on the scale or what we think we should look like and it it really comes down to um, for the most part unfortunately is one of the exercises we have our clients do when they first start is go through their Instagram and it's like if there's things in your Instagram that you're comparing yourself to and that they're making you feel pretty shit about where you're at, you need to get rid of those, mm. right? Because if they're not inspiring you, if they're not helping you, then they're hindering you. And what you're consuming in terms of your media is just as important as what you're consuming in terms of your food, mm. right? Yeah. Now, you're in the best shape. You're the strongest. You're the fittest you've ever been. But if you compare yourself to Matt Fraser, we're both as anyway. like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Right? It makes you feel shit.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. But if having Matt Fraser in your Instagram shows you what's capable when you, you know, are able to give a hundred percent and dedicate yeah. yourself towards achieving a goal, then fantastic. But you need to keep in mind, <laughs> Fraser's, Fraser's goals are not your goals, mm. right? My goals are not your goals. Yeah. So at the moment, is it worth beating yourself up because you're not the leanest you could ever be? No. Right. Uh, and, and that's, a big conversation that we have a lot as well is why is the goal for most people weight loss, right? And what is the attraction they have with a specific number being on the scale?
0: Mm.
1: And it's a hard conversation to have with a lot of people when you need to understand that being lean is not necessarily being healthier, mm. right? Or improving your performance, mm. you know, unless we're talking about you specifically wanting to prepare for a physique show, then getting you down to as low as body fat as possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is not
1: an appropriate goal
0: yeah. for us yeah. right now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And I um, just want to share like a bit of my experience um, on my journey with Married to My Macros. Um, I, I did start with Cat, you know, a few years ago for three months. And um, my goals were always like to put on a bit of lean muscle and, and lose a bit of weight. Um, and like I got injured. And then I kind of threw it all out the window because I was I was not, you, you know, like I wasn't being able to be as active and I thought, oh, you know, stuff it, don't worry about it. Um, so then I quit and then then I came on with Ben, as I said, seven months ago. Um, <clears throat> and when like my my main goal was to just get strong and to fuel my workouts and all that. I didn't like, yeah, put on a bit of lean muscle. Um, which I think was going to happen anyway, but I didn't want to focus on the weight loss. Yeah. Um, and I got two months in and I was like, I was kind of pissed that I hadn't lost any weight, even though that wasn't my goal. I was kind of like, fuck this, you know, like mm-hmm. I should be losing weight, you know, cause I'm like eating really well, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, all right, don't give up. Don't fucking give up. Just keep going, keep sticking to it, you know, stay consistent. And, you know, like I was getting stronger. I was getting fitter. I felt more fueled in my workouts, which is what I wanted. They were my goals, right? And then that next month that came around, I noticed a change in my body. Yeah. And then the month after that, I noticed another change in my body. And I was getting leaner, right? But I was still feeling strong. I was feeling – well, I was also lighter, so I was moving better in the gym. And what I'm trying to get at is is the consistency, like – you can't just do two months, three months, and then be like, "Why the fuck is this not working?" Right? You like, from my point of view and from my experience, is that you got to stay consistent past that, past that hurdle, past that three months, and then you'll start seeing the rewards, even the ones that you didn't think were gonna, like, you were focusing on. Yeah. And for me, that was my getting trim and 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 losing weight, Wait, because I wasn't really focusing on that.
1: Yeah. So let's like
0: let's call a spade a spade there and
1: understand that like fat loss and weight loss are two completely different things, right? And so I think like part of what you said as well is, you know, while my goals were performance-based and et cetera, et cetera, but if that was really true, then you wouldn't be upset about the scale, right? So there's an element of needing to be honest with yourself with what your goals are and examining why, okay? Now, it's okay to have aesthetic goals. It's okay to want to have your abs out when you're on the beach for summer. Right. Um, that's, that's perfectly fine. I give everyone permission to have that as a goal, but given the goal, you also have to understand that there's going to be a level of compliance that's going to be required to achieve those goals. Right. Um, now given the time of year, the personal circumstance, et cetera, et cetera, there might be times of the year when you can actually have 10 weeks where you really can knuckle down and you're really happy to be 95% compliant to program. Yeah. Right. You're happy to forego social obligations and get togethers and drinks out with the boys because yeah. right now, obtaining your goal is more important to you. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I think if you're always endeavoring to do that and you're not getting the other side of the coin, that again, you're only going to have these short lived terms of success. And then you're going to revert back afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And there's no point doing something if you can't do it
0: long term and sustainably. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess, like where kind of balance comes into it, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I you do hear a lot of people um, like I'm single and so I'm on Bumble, you know, trying to trying to meet some new people and there's like people saying on their profiles. I'm, I'm into health and fitness and keeping active, but I also know what balance is and like to, you know, go out and have a drink. Um, and it's kind of, I think it's, I think everybody's perception to balance is a little bit different because, um, I don't want to sound like an asshole here, but if you look at their photos, like it doesn't actually look like they're into health and fitness, Right. You know, they're carrying a little bit of extra weight and whether that's because they've just started on their journey or whatever, I'm not sure, but um, I feel like people can use the word balance as a bit of a cop-out sometimes to actually obtaining their goals.
1: Yeah. I mean, balance is, I mean, look, it, some for some people, balance is the goal, right? And it's incredibly hard to look at a snapshot of someone and and, and try to assess what their whole story is to that point, right? Right. Um, I mean, you have no idea, like when we first started MTMM, I really thought the majority of what we were going to be doing and providing was the meal plan. I thought that was probably going to be 95% of the work. Yeah. That while it's an incredibly important component of what we do, most of what we do is provide support emotionally for our clients as well, because there's so much that goes into, diet and exercise and self-worth that goes deeper than a macro profile. Right. Right. So for some people tracking and weighing and logging can actually be quite unhealthy, right. Given their personality, given their history, given the circumstances that kind of over obsessiveness can lead to more disordered eating than trying to learn to eat intuitively and understand hunger, hunger signals and stuff like that. Yeah. So definitely, which is why we do everything on a very individual basis. Mm. Um, But I think what's important is to, you know, when you're setting yourself a goal for your health and fitness, you need to set yourself a realistic goal and you need to understand all the things that that goal encompasses. You know, if if your goal is to get stronger and put on lean mass, you need to be okay with the fact that the scale is probably going to go up, right? Now, if your goal is to really lean out, and to, to be as shredded as you can for summer, you need to be okay that part of that goal is a choice to forego those social situations, to stop drinking or we get to bed earlier, right? So I think that when people tend to say balance, depending on the individual, you know, if some people are going from zero training to three days training a week and they're starting to cook one or two meals of their own week, that's a huge shift given yep. their sliding scale of where they were to where they're going. Mm-hmm. So that is more balanced. But for someone like yourself or myself, you know, they might argue that well, your pendulum's gone too far the other way, mm, right? True. So again, yeah. it's it's a very individualized assessment of, of where you're at.
0: Yeah, right? that's a, and that's a good perspective, um, especially because like we all view things in different ways, and um, I have known to be wrong before and <laughs> put a put a perspective on things. <laughs> really? Yeah. But um, I think that that's um, it's a good way to learn and grow is to to put your perspective out there and. Um, you know, we've got that relationship where we can kind of, um, go back and forth with different perspectives Mm. and you can call me out on something. And I think that's good. Um, even on that, it depends
1: even on your like basic understanding of, of what's right and wrong. Mm. Right. And in a circumstance like this, like your choice on how you choose to live your lifestyle is not for me to say whether that's right or wrong. That's you. And that's what you want to do. Yeah. But if you come to me and say, Hey. Um, I understand that you guys know more about nutrition and performance than I do. And I've decided that like, this is a goal that I've set for myself and I'd really appreciate some guidance. Then that's a completely different conversation. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, let's touch on, uh, like if, if somebody comes to you, um, that wants to get in, you know, like get their health back on track, what do you think is the most common thing, Um, people struggle with when it comes to their health. I think you hit the nail on the head before when you said long-term consistency. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean,
1: you look at some of the crazy bullshit out there in terms of fat dieting and stuff like that, you can eat nothing for a week, right? You can eat nothing but soup for four weeks. Mm. You can eat nothing but meat or nothing but vegetables for a short period of time. Um, But how sustainable is that? not just four, six, eight months afterwards, but two years, three years, four years, right? If you're really looking to make some fundamental changes, you need to change your lifestyle, not just what you're choosing to put in your mouth, mm. right? <clears throat> so I guess the biggest piece of advice is if you're deciding to make some, some big changes into, into what you're eating and what you're doing, make sure those changes are sustainable over a long period. And in my opinion, starting from zero and going to hero, is not necessarily going to be indicative of like long term success. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're looking for really basic points now of, of things that you can do to start, start by drinking more water. Start by eating more vegetables. Start by eating less processed food. Right. They might seem like small scale things, and at, at the start, when a lot of people decide to make a big change, they're fucking all in or nothing, and mm. motivation's real high. Mm. But after two weeks of eating nothing but broccoli soup, like how committed really are you going to be? right so just start with the more basic stuff get that down pat and then once you're in those good habits just build on them slowly right yeah so start small um yeah yeah.
0: and build yeah start small and
1: build yeah drink more water get to bed earlier start there and if you can't do that like if that's a challenge then how really like how well do you think you're going to go with those more drastic
0: changes yeah so start small and build gradually kind of like how you and cat built your relationship and build the business, kind of like how you would build on a deadlift. Yeah,
1: you start with an empty bar. You start with a you start with a PVC pipe. Yeah, get it right, and then move to the bar, and then add some weight, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, right. Um,
0: that's I guess that's a good mindset, um, and we can implement that kind of uh, what's the word attitude attitude towards our nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Or getting our health back in back in check. Um, and just to like to bring up a story about the fad diet kind of thing. So I was getting a massage the other day and, and some cupping and stuff. And the, um, the therapist was telling me about her mom and how she's just gone on this. Um, it's like the Jenny Craig or, you know, wait, a weight watchers diet. Right. And she was telling me that she gets to have a smoothie in the morning. Um, one, one kind of bar and she gets to eat a salad. Right. And Sounds miserable. <laughs> that, that's what I said. I was like, what? How can she do that? Like I'd be starving. And she's like, oh, she, she's losing weight and she's loving it and blah blah blah. And like I don't I didn't I didn't want to comment too much because I you know I'm not um, an expert in this in this field, but I was kind of like, Well, what's gonna happen in two weeks when like she gets fucking sick of eating the salad and the smoothie and the protein bar? And also her weight stops dropping and it stays at a thing. Is that is that what would usually happen? Like you would see big gains at the start because you're at a high caloric deficit.
1: Right. So most of what gives these fad diets like their momentum and and you know their their kind of fuel to, to keep going on is a general misunderstanding or non existent understanding of, of the basics of nutrition. Right. And again, that is something that we're trying to really promote with our seminars and and, and get in as magic and have these conversations with people that, you know, when you look to remove a food group or you look to remove food in general, you're really playing with something like your energy balance and your calories in versus your calories out. Now, sometimes, you know, uh, in its simplest terms, if you're in a caloric deficit, you should be losing weight, right? If you're in a caloric surplus, you should be gaining weight. Right. In its simplest terms, the body is so adaptive that sometimes you, if you just keep cutting kells in order to lose weight, you're eventually going to run out of kells to cut. And what do you do there? Right? So there is a lot to be said for understanding the basics. But if you go from, again, um, if you're not doing the simple things right to start with, then, like, that is going to be your, your downfall at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, right. Um, so um, what can happen, like, so I heard something, um, like that if you, if you stop, like if, if you're giving yourself a caloric deficit, um, and then basically, um, you stop gaining weight, uh, you stop losing weight, but then like you just stay at the one, the one weight and you're, you're still eating the same amount. Is that because the body's quite smart and it goes yeah. into survival mode? Well, it's metabolic adaptation, right? Like the body doesn't want to change.
1: So it's always going to try to slow things down or make things easier in order to burn less calories because it's getting less fuel in, right? So without getting too technical, I don't really know what direction you want to take the podcast, but, um, like we've seen definitely in our practice that reverse dieting has been an incredible tool in order to to stimulate more fat loss. Um, particularly when we're getting people who are coming to us already only eating 900 or a thousand calories a day, um, actually by increasing the amount they're eating and giving them more energy so they can train harder is actually a better way to facilitate the body composition that they're after rather than just giving them zero food. Right. Okay. So. The more energy you can get and the healthier you are, the better you're gonna perform. And the better you perform by way of the most amount of stress and intensity that you can train with, the more you're gonna force physical adaptation from the body, all right? But telling someone that you're gonna spend the next six months bringing them back up to a maintenance level so that you can get them comfortable and help them sit there and then take them into a deficit is much less attractive to following a meal replacement plan for six weeks and losing mm. 10 pounds,
0: Yeah. right? And is, do you think that's what sells these fad diets? Hundred percent is the attractiveness why, of them. Why, like,
1: why wouldn't you like everything at the moment in, in today's society has to be like instantaneous gratification? Yeah. Why would you do something in six months that this thing's telling you you can do in four weeks? Right. Mm. If the goal is to lose ten pounds, and you can do it sooner rather than later. Mm. It's it's hard to sell the opposite. Yeah. Right. It's hard to sell consistency. It's not sexy it's a grind yeah you said it yourself fuck two months and you're only starting to you only start to see results in month three right and that's with a pretty decent you know um compliance rate it's it is a grind it is day in day out you know when you go to the gym and you have a really good session even if it's your first session back you're lying there you're in a puddle of sweat The endorphins are pumping you hear your heartbeat like in your in your head you're lying around high-fiving everyone you're like Fuck yeah, I fucking took a real good step today. Mm. That was a really good move forward progression towards my goals. When you nail your macros, there's no celebration. There's no like confetti. Yeah. <laughs> there's no angels start singing. It's just like, oh, yeah. okay. And yeah. you have to do it again the next day yeah. and the next day and the next day. Yeah. Right. And that lack of instant gratification is generally what puts people off. Okay? Yeah. It yeah. takes two weeks to start to feel the difference. It takes four to six weeks to start to see a difference. It takes three months to four months for other people to start to notice. If I can get you to that point, it's almost, you know, much smoother sailing from that four, five, six-month mark onwards because if we're still going at six months, mm. we've made big lifestyle and behavioural adaptation that's yeah. going to start to carry us. Through.
0: Yeah. So there's definitely a big um, sort of mindset um, around, around it that's going to help you, and that's where you guys come in, right? To yeah. Keep you
1: on track. Keep, Keep you on track. Me accountable. Yeah. yeah Keep you and, accountable. accountable. That's, Keep on track that's that thing, right? We've, we've been there, you know, like our personal stories, like we've been where you are, we have struggled through your struggles. We understand like your concerns and your fears as well. Right. And it's like based on all those experiences and obviously like nutrition certifications, like this is like,
0: let us help save you the next four or five years Mm. of like guesswork. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think that's like where any good coach can kind of, um, Well, that's a valuable coach is somebody that has lived those experiences.
1: Yeah, and that's not just, you know, with M2 and nutrition, but you look at any kind of business coach or business mentor, right? Well, the biggest lessons we can learn from the elders within our community or, like, any kind of leaders in the industry is, like, look at the mistakes they've made
0: Mm. and don't repeat them, Mm. right? Yeah, that's what my dad kind of was trying to teach me when I was a young 16-year-old fella starting my apprenticeship about saving money and all that kind of stuff and – Um, he was just basically like, you know, I'm, I'm open and honest with you about all this stuff, like my failures and all that, because I want you to learn from my mistakes. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. Yeah. But you know, I had lessons to learn and I was kind of, you know, not ready to listen to him. And I was like, I want to learn them for myself. Mm -hmm. So I went and did that, you know? Um, and I'm sure you'll have the same conversation (laughs) with
1: Marino Jr. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's right. Um, All righty, so um, I'm going to ask a couple of fin- finisher questions. Um, we have here, well, you kind of already answered this. Um, what would be the first thing you would suggest to do to somebody that wants to get their health under control? And you basically said start with the small implementations, You know, start drinking more water, stop eating processed foods, et cetera, like that.
1: Get to bed earlier.
0: Get to bed earlier. Yep. Make sure you sleep because sleep's a big part, hey? Yep. And that's probably a conversation for another day. Um, so the second question, what has been your the most influential book that you've read and why? Jeez.
1: Jeez, um, that's tough to pick just one. My goal for this year was to read one book a month and I think – having done that, I think each book, and this is, again, like, I want all my clients reading something, right? Because I think, you know, you said before how when we have a conversation, it's interesting to see, like, different perspectives. And I think that being open to the possibility that other people may see or observe the world a little differently to ourselves is good for us to keep in mind. Mm. Um, And I definitely feel that just because we're not at school or we're not currently studying doesn't mean that we have to stop learning. And so I think that a lot of, you know, there are some really good books out there that will, um, start me off down a a different path to, to then continue to read in that direction. Um, and I tend to find that a lot of what I'm reading and and taking on and adapting in my lifestyle is also beneficial for others that I'm working Mm. with as well. Um, which one's been the number one? I guess it would depend on the direction that uh, you're looking to go and looking to learn. I think "Man's Search for Meaning" um, by Viktor Frankl, which is probably was the first book I read in in this challenge, yeah, um, has definitely was given me the the most perspective. I think um, so. It's written by this doctor who survived the Holocaust, was in a lot of the concentration camps and um, basically gives perspective to, you know, even within those kind of situations, the quest for trying to understand what we're doing here, what's our purpose, you know, understanding suffering within the world and, and happiness within the world. Um, that's It's a really good look at, at the human condition, mm. right? And I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, we always think about the grass being greener and doing other things and and how much you know um, how much happiness there is always seemingly out of reach uh, but this book kind of demonstrates that you know that whatever you do is is going to be suffering to some degree and, and learning how to to enjoy that suffering as much as you can or take pride in, in the work and stuff that you're doing mm. even when it was them working in labor camps um, they still had elements of their work that they you know, we're looking forward to and, and deriving some meaning from. So, mm, I think if if you know if if they can find meaning in in that, yeah, um, I think that kind of gives us all a little bit of a kick in the ass. <laughs> so it's like a
0: perspective, yeah, a perspective. You'd right? love that book. Read yeah. that book.
1: Right, right, yeah. Man's right. Man search for meaning. Right. But then when I was fifteen, I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's Bodybuilding Bible, and
0: that probably put me <laughs> on this path as well. So <laughs>
1: like, I guess yeah. um, read a lot and read widely would be my
0: okay. Tip. That's okay. Um, all righty, this is probably a little bit deeper, um, than the concentration camps and (laughs) World (laughs) War. Well, maybe not that deep, but, uh, a little bit deeper on a personal level. Um, now I've never asked this question to anybody before, so I don't know how it's going to go down. Question without warning. Yeah. Um, if you could pick one value that you would live by, what would be that value and why? Um, I think gratitude.
1: I think there's a lot to be said for striving to help others and the satisfaction you can get from doing that. Mm. Um, I think that's definitely something that we've tried to encompass with what we do. And I think very much the more you look for things within, you know, this world, the more you see it. And I think the more grateful you are for realizing that you're in the position that you're in and and being able to do things that that help other people, Um, it it just opens up more opportunities for you rather than less. And I think people always feel like they'll wait till they reach a certain point before they can afford to start giving back, whether that be like financial or non-financial time or whatever it is. But I think one thing that we found is some of the best opportunities that we've had made available to us was, um, as a business trying to get involved in delivering whether it be free seminars or working with kids and stuff like that um, purely just to try to help and then there's always been like good windfall on the other side so I think um, you know definitely personally very grateful for the position that you know cat and I find ourselves in for the community that we've we've been able to build and, and for the work that we're able to do day to day and so I think it's an awesome opportunity and position that we're in. To think that we can help to give back to give others the same. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that, and I'm a big, big, big advocate advocate for um, for gratitude as well. Um, yeah, and uh, what's so yours, Zan? Yeah. Mine is uh, so so. I, I was, question without warning. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was trying to like toss up between the, the two. Um, but I think I'm going to go with compassion and, um, so just having compassion, uh, for other people and their experiences, their life experiences, um, and you know, for, there's all different types of people in this world. And, um, sometimes I feel like we don't always, we don't always understand or we don't get other people. Um, but I think like if you can have compassion for them. Then, they like you're not directly giving them compassion. You're not walking and go, "Hey, I'm giving you compassion," but but like compassion, yeah. But if you could, it would probably make them feel better, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, it makes you feel a lot better. Um, so, growing up in a kind of a small small town mentality, um, a lot of people, you know, would uh, be racist, homophobic, even even pay out on people for like wearing certain types of clothes, you know, like, you're like, Oh, look at this plug, He looks like a clown, you know? And it's like, like I'm guilty of it too. And that's because that's what I knew. And looking back on it, I feel horrible. Um, and now I try and live my life with a lot more compassion for other people because like, I feel like if we were more compassionate to other people, there would be more love and less war. If yeah. you know what I mean. <clears throat> I
1: think that's, I think
0: you always fear what you don't know
1: or understand, mm. right? And I think it only takes something like um, meeting, meeting someone who's gay and having a chat with them to understand that it's yeah. like, what? Well, that's just their sexual orientation. That's yeah. not like their personality or their like value or anything else, right? Yeah. Um, and once you once you work to to you know meet people from
0: all walks of life and actually understand them as a person, it's such a minor detail. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I actually had this um, thought this morning. Um, I don't know where I was, but it, something just triggered my. Oh, actually, I saw a, um, a post from um, this chick called Meg Root. She's on. She's a CrossFitter. And she is partners with, um, uh, so is it Meg Rood or Mer- Meredith Root, Yeah. Meredith yeah. and Alex Parker. Alex Parker. Yeah. And she had some rainbows on her shoes. And then in, in the caption, there was like the rainbow thing, right? So they're obviously lesbians and it just makes me feel so good. Like to know that they're, they're just sharing themselves and who they are. And it's just good to see that their love, mm. right? And then and I thought about it in a male perspective as well and like two males being together and I'm just like, yeah, just fucking bring it on. Like you do you, you know, yeah. just just like just love each other and, you know, is it? and other people just let them love each other yeah, too. Yeah, what
1: difference does it make to you? Who exactly. <laughs> Why do you care if they're, <laughs> I if they're together?
0: You I know? agree. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, on that note, um, I'll get you to plug here. Where can people find you? Where's the best people place where people can find yourself? And also in Married to My Macros. Yeah, so I
1: guess all the usual places Married to My Macros is on Instagram, Facebook, uh, email, website, MarriedToMyMacros.com. Yeah. Instagram is MarriedToMyMacros. Um, my Instagram handle, BenBorgMTMM. Um, if anyone wants more information or wants to reach out, info at MarriedToMyMacros.com. Um, love to hear from you any feedback any questions
0: um it's all there all the main main pages beautiful mate well on that note it's a wrap thanks for coming into the studio yeah (laughs) cheers mate i'm actually at his parents house as we said before all right guys uh hope you enjoyed this episode um if you liked it share it around um you know you know the deal give it a five-star review (laughs) all that good stuff all right guys thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one